Hi, everyone. My name is Shannon Calder, licensed therapist, and I'm joined by Dr. Kathy Barrett, forensic psychologist. We talk about all topics from a psychological perspective. Welcome to Terror Talk. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Welcome. Kathy. What is that? What is that? What's what? What's on the cover of that? I like that. Does well, this say Shakespeare? She's talking about a notepad that I have in my hand. And yeah, it's from the RSC, the Royal Shakespeare Company. Oh, that's cool. And it says Shakespeare message pad. It's cool. Yeah, thank yeah. you. We were actually just on our Patreon episodes talking about creepy things. And actually, it's interesting because England came up a bunch of times today. So, And then I'm making notes in my RSC <laughs> notepad, which was not on purpose. But anyway, yeah. We were doing, we were recording some special Patreon content for our patrons who we try to, who we try to, you know, give special stuff to. But today on this episode for everyone, we are going to talk about, this is part of our female psychopath series. The people in these movies aren't always psychopaths and we just kind of break that down, but it's the people who everyone thinks are female psychopaths. And then we talk about the psychology in them. And today's movie is called May. It's from 2002. A lot of people have seen this movie, but I bet a lot of people haven't, but it's definitely always uh, for me, it's always a solid watch. <laughs> so it's a cult. It's like, it has a cult following. I think it does. Had you seen this movie before? I had not. I, I've I'd heard of it, and I know Angela mm -hmm. Bettis from other movies, but I actually had never seen it. Yeah, it was great because I I wanted to pick this movie because we've gone down a lot of movies that are like well worn, right? Like right. the Basic Instincts and yeah. and all of that. No, this has a, this is like a sleeper hit. And so this is more of like horror fans know about this movie. It's it's a, a cult classic as much as you can say a movie twenty only you know less than twenty years ago is a cl classic, but. It's directed and written by uh, Lucky McGee, uh, Angela Bettis, who everyone might know from Girl Interrupted or from the TV movie Carrie. She did a recent, ed she was amazing as Carrie. Yeah. Of course, as you would think, she was right up there with Sissy Spacek in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. I mean, Sissy is classic and... I don't, she, she I don't plays, think she but, can be beaten, but she's really, no. Angela's really good. <laughs> Angela plays that uh, really like pathetic, odd character very she did well. a great job in this in my mm -hmm. opinion like she's one of the i mean i think the script and the where it goes and stuff is great as well but like sh she really she's just a really good actress mm -hmm. so let me give a synopsis of this movie for those of you who may not have seen it again it's called may it's from 2002 so may grows up as a painfully <laughs> that's an understatement a painfully awkward woman working in an animal hospital her only friend is a weird doll in a glass case which I thought Kathy might appreciate. It's also one of the reasons why I picked this movie because there's a doll element to mm -hmm. it. She's shaking her head at me like, I hate you. Given by her mother in May's childhood. That was part of the problem. Yes, it is part of the problem. She says, if you can't, I remember her mom says, if you can't find a friend, make one. So she gives her this really creepy doll in a glass case, considering that her friend, I guess. Anyway, so when she meets Adam Stubbs, who's played by Jeremy Sisto, Sisto who I love, mm -hmm. she falls in love with his hands. <laughs> He's weirded out, obviously. So Adam rejects May after a course of events. And she then seeks the companion of her lesbian colleague, Polly, who's played by Anna, Anna Ferris. Anna Ferris is so great. In this. I know. Isn't she amazing? Yeah. But she also feels betrayed when Polly chooses Ambrosia, who is, you know, 
the hoe down the street over her <laughs> alone may decides to create the perfect friend for her because you know the doll something happens to the doll etc so that's the basic synopsis i don't know what did you think in general i know you had never seen it before and this is maybe my third watch of this movie i think that it was really good it's it's a very uncomfortable movie and i think anytime we're sitting with certain personality disorders that aren't just strictly psychopathic yep. like we did with single white female right. right where it's like clearly this person had psychopathic traits but to me that was not the cornerstone or the a lot more borderline of, going on yeah and i would even say schizotypal yeah i mean i think that this oh, is for may for may i was yeah. talking about oh, yeah for, yeah for mm -hmm. for uh exactly we had done a whole thing where Hedda. she was portrayed as a psychopath but really what we were seeing was somebody with a borderline organization with psychopathic traits. And I would say that this is the first time I've seen a pretty accurate portrayal of schizotypal personality disorder. And I think there's some, maybe some borderline in there too, but just to give people a, an idea of what schizotypal is. If, yes, please. If you do not know what they are, uh, what it is, is it's the core symptoms of schizotypal are going to be feelings that external events have an unusual personal meaning. So unusual thinking, beliefs, perceptions, or behavior, odd speech, uh, they can be very suspicious or paranoid, bland or strange emotional responses. So this is someone who, it's not that they don't, it's not, not to be confused with schizoid personality disorder, which are people who tend to not really crave, they, they, they're very guarded from uh, intimate relationships or personal relationships. Schizotypal is, is not that so much as it has more of, uh, it does have a, a schizophrenic undertone where they have uh, a real difficulty with reality testing mm -hmm. and that their attachments are very bizarre. They, they find meaning in things that what we would, we would call a symptom would be something like, oh my gosh, I'm dropping it right now. What is it, Shannon? Something of reference? What is it? It's basically when they, they see something, ideas of reference. Thank you. They see something and they'll attach really personal meaning to it. And obviously what we see with May is somebody who attaches all these really odd meanings to things that can either benefit her in the moment or make her more paranoid and suspicious. And like Shannon was saying, she was obsessed with body parts and obsessed with... That's where I got delusion because she's yeah, definitely and, and delusional. <laughs> total, she has a lot of delusions, which can be a, a, a sub-symptom of this. And these are oftentimes the people that we will find in our school shooting categories, right? So I thought they did a really excellent portrayal of this disorder. I did too. And you never know, like if this was a, a, a real person, right? And you got to actually psychologically test them, et cetera, before all of the murder <laughs> yeah. happens, possibly on the autistic spectrum. Very much. Possibly schizoaffective for sure. Mm -hmm. And I, I wonder, because I wonder if we can talk a little bit, like I know that ideas of reference when people experience ideas of reference, like sometimes it changes. Yeah. Sometimes whatever evidence, you know, and I use evidence as like not the best word, but whatever is happening sort of dictates whether or not they, they will or will not act on that idea of reference where it's like a person experiencing a delusion. The delusions often refer back to them as mm -hmm. a person, whereas ideas of reference can be like out in the world. Yeah, they can watch a, a commercial right. and go, oh my gosh, they're saying something in that commercial that means something personal to right. me, speaking like, to me. Right, exactly. Like the doll, 
when right, she's talking right. to the doll, right? Yeah. So like I, I believe she has delusions that refer back to her. And then she also have has this external, this idea of reference, like what you were saying. Because like I've had a client, and I'm sure you have too, schizophrenic clients, different than schizoaffective, but schizophrenic clients who, you know, the person in the television was telling me to do X, Y, Z, and that's those ideas of reference. So May is what I like about this movie though too, and I... And kind of what tells you that she's not, she has a, a psychotic episode, mm-hmm. <laughs> but she's incredibly em- empathetic. Yes. So I think that's one of the things they do really well with this is that often in movies, the psychopath isn't particularly empathetic. You right. know, that's why we have such a hard time with like Silence of the Lambs guy, the character Hannibal, inside, Hannibal because you know how he doesn't fit any of the strict right. definitions and he's actually just really a made up kind of psychology. Yeah. <laughs> and we talk about that in the episode that we did is like, yeah, you could call him a psychopath, but he's not because he doesn't fit any of the, like he, he, it's a made up thing. It's a movie construct. It doesn't fit the psychological world because he's empathetic right and we like him right so if you're doing uh we're going to do an episode next week on no country for old men if you're doing a strict psychopath personality Mm -hmm. not usually empathetic if you follow the guidelines of what it actually is and i Mm -hmm. think that movie successfully does that oh my gosh so we'll talk about that next week but that's that juxtaposition that i see so between like this movie may and that movie no country for old men you really see the differences and not just the gender differences because i'm actually kind of setting that aside for a second is it's like may is very empathetic you see her trauma you understand her history you understand why she ends up having a psychotic episode you understand her why she has the delusions you and you feel for her you do. even though she slaughters people <laughs> as a movie it's very effective because there's a lot of tension 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 and you and you have to wait and it's slow and you have to wait but you're captivated by her and her being kind of very odd mm-hmm. and you don't know why if you unless you're a psychologist you don't really know why and then the stuff happens and it and it pays off in my opinion mm-hmm. but yeah yeah she's very empathetic and i think that's really the, one of the big differences absolutely and and whether that's realistic to what she actually would be diagnosed with because we, i mean we're, we're basing this on assumptions from you know a 90 minute movie it's all just fun but but <laughs> yeah i mean i i mean because she is not a strict psychopath, right? Um, she has psychopathic traits or sociopathic traits. She has the ability to feel empathy. She wants to connect. She's just so odd and bizarre and disorganized in her thought processes. Like, for example, the scene, there's scenes with Jeremy Sisto where she's trying to connect with him and, and actually become what she thinks he wants. And so she's not even overtly aggressive or assertive. If anything, she's incredibly insecure and submissive, but in her oddities, she overcorrects. <laughs> and he's, it, it, there, it, there's actually a scene where she says, I thought you liked weird. And he goes, not that weird. Yeah. Yeah. You like, crossed the line lady. You, you, you don't be, and that would fall with like what Shannon's saying is maybe somebody who's even on the autism spectrum who, and, and I'm not equating no, <laughs> psychopathy no, no. with autism, but equating it with not really being able to accurately read social it's just social social awkwardness and then also yeah just the but but with the schizotypal it's coupled with the suspicion suspiciousness and paranoia that starts to set in when she starts to realize that he's really backed away she becomes obsessed yeah well i think as far as this movie's concerned sort of what happens too is like as a child her trauma is around her mother 
not allowing her to have any imperfections, mm-hmm. can't be flawed. It was all about image. Uh, you're not supposed to act wrong. And all May does is act quote unquote wrong. Like she's just as a child, she's, you know, her mom doesn't take into account that she has trouble socially and doesn't acclimate to that, you know, as we would coach parents and talk to parents who have children with challenges, we would talk to them about how they need different support from you or they need different, you know, if we were to really mm-hmm. help her mother, about, <laughs> you know, not create the more delusional version of May, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where it goes into these uh, positive symptoms with delusions, et cetera. Right. But like, it's so sad. It's <laughs> She's really so sad. sad. She's so, I, I empathize a lot with May and, and it's partly to do with the situation and the plot and how it goes, but it's also partly to do with this actress's performance, of course. I, I just see her shift. So what happens is with Jeremy, she eventually f- figures that out. She gets very hurt. She overhears some things. She realizes that he's really rejecting her. And then something happens with the woman, Anna Ferris, that she is also trying to connect with. And Anna's also seeing someone else. So she gets rejected by Jeremy and then gets rejected by Anna's character. And then something snaps, something clicks. And you see her demeanor change and you see that shame overwhelm her. And then you see the delusions and the psychopathy become a defense for her little broken heart. And then... The shit starts happening. Then it gets uh, pretty gruesome. It's got some good gore. So moving into (laughs) a horror fan moment. One of the things I like about this is that, you know, there's amputation, there's skin biting, there's crawling on glass, there's by children, children. there's self harm, there Mm -hmm. is, uh, there's the dead bodies look really realistic. The violence is really convincing. Uh, The open wounds look really good, you know, from a horror makeup perspective. None of it is. And it's a pretty low budget. None of it's for shock value. All of the scenes with intense gore are completely relevant to all the storyline mm-hmm. all yeah. justified and all add to the storyline versus horror that's for shock value hashtag eli roth where all of the gore is just kind of random in there just to see if we can shock people and make them sick mm-hmm. this is like it makes sense and makes the story more robust it's really supported yes. by the story the plot the acting the character so that's to me like that that is what makes it successful or a, a solid flick is that everything kind of goes together and it's both plot driven and character driven. And you see that arc of the character, you see that shift and then the gore and the violence and the pain and all the things that she inflicts are just all supported by all of those layers. So for me, it's, it's definitely of the aughts, you know, of the first 10 years of this millennium. It's, it's one of the ones I would put on a list. And and also, it just so happens that psychologically speaking, it's really pretty solid, too, the way they portray her. I mean, movies take license, but I think it's pretty solid the way they give her this trauma around the doll, the doll being her only friend, and she talks to it, and then the delusions start, and then as she gets more and more rejected and shamed and more and more rejected by society, which these people are representations of, she starts to get even worse. In other words, she always has an incongruent affect where she smiles when she shouldn't be smiling. Right. And she laughs when she shouldn't be laughing. And but then that just starts to get even worse. And she gets even more disruptive to others, <laughs> except for Anna Ferris's character who just 
seems completely deluded like and loves it and loves it like oh she's just weird hey babe like she's just like, <laughs> yeah. like she could walk she could walk in with like a dead cat in her hand and anna ferris would be like hey how's your monday and she's hilarious oh, she's and great. i think it really adds also to because this is billed as a horror comedy here's, i mean here's I the thing there's anna, not that much comedy in this anna ferris is the comedy for sure. And I think that originally how it's written, probably Angela's character was supposed to be, you're supposed to laugh at her, but the actress plays her so well and so straight that you really just empathize That's right. for her. Now, I could see if you chose a different actress or chose a different director or you did, but the director wrote the script. So I can see how it may have started off as a comedy because you could portray a schizoaffective person as funny, right? Because of the social awkwardness. But no, she's not funny. I mean, there's a couple funny moments where she's kind of quirky and funny. Like in the beginning oh, yeah. with Jeremy, like quirky and funny and charming. And then it all sort of goes very wrong because, you know, she kills her cat. And puts it in the freezer. And so... I've also had someone do that in real life that I was treating and that very thing. So I remember when I saw this movie, I thought, oh, sadly, that is something pulled from a realistic mm. person who was schizoaffective and did have psychotic episodes mm -hmm. and delusions. So I can tell you that just qualitatively, that rang very true to me. It was a different delusion that this person had, but it was a delusion about the animal. Mm -hmm. And that's what May has. She has a delusion about the animal and she doesn't kill it because she wants to kill an animal no. from a psychopathic that's right. standpoint. And I want to make that difference. That's why I mentioned the, yeah. the cat death. Also, just as a trigger warning for those of you, an animal dies. There's a very big difference from someone who kills from a delusional perspective, has a delusion about the cat and what it may be doing to them or want to do to them. And then uh, someone who's a psychopath who's practicing killing cats in order to kill humans later, right. which is a lot of the, the more psychopathic serial killers that we talk about on here. So there's a difference. And I think that's a really absolutely an, an essential difference for people don't necessarily study psychology. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, most, I think most of her behavior is a consequence of delusions and just, bizarre thought process right mm -hmm. and and just a really really neglectful attachment from mo mother her mother yeah we see that so much right the very strict or ambivalent attachment maybe because at times she probably was oh you're perfect you're this you're that and then met with now you're imperfect today and yeah know. i think that's that chaotic mm, disorganized disorganized for sure and the shame piece because in the movie the first person i believe it's the first person we see her kill is just like a random dude she picks up at a at a bus stop mm -hmm. but she she's already kind of clicked over to being in a different headspace and to having a psychotic episode i believe and so she just picks up the random dude and it's going fine and i think she's actually trying to fix herself like oh i'm just going to take my delusions and put them on someone else. Yeah. <laughs> just trying to transfer the delusions to someone else because 
delusions are going to want to find that person, right? She can't do it to the two people that she wanted to last week. And so now she's going to try to transfer. But then this dude is pretty funny. He's also part of the comic relief. He's got this big mohawk and everything. And he's kind of a little bit um, spicoli. And so he, but then he shames her. Well, this is, that was In actually after Jeremy Sisto. Okay. Yeah. So he shames her mm-hmm. and immediately she kills him. Right. And so I just see like every... He opens every up the ki- freezer and sees the cat in there. Yes, he yeah. sees the frozen dead cat and immediately doesn't sort of also like, read the... Si- up. Yeah, he doesn't read the situation. No. To... He underestimates her. Click. He doesn't click into what some of us might click into, which is, oh yeah, no problem. Yeah, it's time to leave. No problem. <laughs> like, yeah, no, let's finish our drink and, uh, oh gosh, I gotta go. You know, he doesn't click into that. Right. Which sometimes they do in horror movies. Yeah. You got a smart character. Yeah. A smart character clicks in no, and is like, he oh. full on reacts like, what the hell He goes, you're weird or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you're crazy. Or <laughs> whatever he says and then, you know, dies because of that so yeah i just see her ramping up i think it just does a really good job of there's this psychology that we're talking about but i also think the film is just a good horror film it is i liked it yeah i'm glad you did thanks so much for listening this has been an uh one of our female psychopath series episodes which i mean there doesn't seem to be i keep finding more yep I mean, there aren't as many as the men, but I keep finding more. And so we'll keep going. I think it's uh, it's always interesting to look at. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Terror Talk. Please check out our Patreon page, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We'd love to engage with you as part of our community please take a moment to leave us a comment on any of our social media. Thank you so much for listening. And once again, sleep safe.